You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday NCAA Regional Edition of the Barnyard. Hope things are well with you today. Hope it's payday today. I hope you're on your way to Stark Vegas right now. I'm recording this show in the wee hours of Friday morning. So uh, I haven't been to bed yet. I'll record this. We'll post it to get to bed, and then I'll get up and get head over to Duty Noble Field. And I hope that you're going to meet us out there because it's going to be a great weekend of baseball. Really, really excited after uh, spending the day Thursday on campus in the uh, the Griffiths Ballroom there uh, connected to the Palmero Center, we had our uh, our pre-NCAA Regional Media Day. All four teams had an opportunity to come and, and speak to the media. Uh, one of the things that I'll share with you right out of the gate, very, very impressed with each of the coaches. I mean, if you and I taped every one of these interviews okay so you you can go watch them for free over on Gene's page they're out there for free I wanted you guys to be able to partake in every bit of that and kind of enjoy what we witnessed today but you can tell the reason these teams have been so successful and uh, you've got a couple of conference champions coming in here from the MAC in Central Michigan and from the SWAC in Southern but it's because of the fact that they have coaches that are the number one unbelievably knowledgeable about the game of baseball and number two extremely articulate they know how to get their message across i was very impressed with every coach we saw today one of the points of emphasis today i think three of the four coaches mentioned it today uh, was about the volunteer assistant coaching position about how they need to add that third assistant and uh, that was some legislation that was uh, recently defeated which is an absolute joke uh, to everybody that is involved with college baseball. I thought Chris Lamontis did a great thing today. He brings Kyle Cheeseburg up for, uh, for to take part in uh, the festivities today to make him visible. And I thought that was a very good gesture to, because there's a lot of people out here that look at these volunteer assistants, and I, and I agree uh, you know, with, uh, with one of the coaches that spoke today and say calling them a volunteer is an absolute joke because uh, you know, many of these guys work just as hard as the rest of your staff does, and then they have to go out and find secondary income. They have to work a second job in addition to everything else. Uh, and so it's, it's what one of the things that is wrong in college sports 
we, we could talk all day about the scholarship situation in college baseball. And as Ron uh, Polk used to say, they give us the chump change, and then they want to tell us how to spend the chump change. You know, and so it's an absolute joke. And then we've got the the coach to player ratio in baseball. It's just it's it's a disaster. You got 35 players on your team, and you only get three full time coaches. Uh, it's a joke, and uh, that that's something that needs to be addressed. And I'm glad that there is this concerted effort among the NCAA regional coaches to kind of bring this topic again to the forefront. And as I mentioned, three of the four coaches today mentioned it. Um, it's just one of those things that I think the average college baseball fan probably doesn't understand the significance behind this. Uh, but there are many, many, many head coaches in college baseball that got their start as a volunteer assistant. And if we want to improve the quality of the game, if we want to give opportunities to people to coach college baseball, uh, we've got to make it you know, feasible for them financially. And uh, that's a big, a big part of it. And one of the things that's so frustrating – about this legislation being defeated is there such such ignorance out there about how it's proposed they changed the proposal to incorporate baseball and softball together that way it was title nine compliant and that way both sports are being addressed and here's the kicker in the whole deal is even if you don't want to fund the third full-time assistant coach you didn't have to but all the legislation did was just kind of cleared the way for schools that wanted to fund it to be able to fund it. But now, because of the short-sightedness of a few uh, athletic directors and uh, you know, conference liaisons, they 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 didn't vote, and some of the, a couple of them did not vote along with their membership within their conference. They of themselves elected to kind of uh, interject their own opinions, and so. It, it looked like this thing was going to pass by the narrowest of margins. It didn't pass. Uh, and I understand from uh, some conversations in Hoover last week that there there is some life in this thing again because the discussion was it would be two to three years before that legislation could be reintroduced. But I understand that that's not necessarily the case, that uh, they, can't, they can't have the same legislation come the, the way it was packaged, but they can kind of change it and kind of bring this thing up. And so... Uh, my hope is that'll change, and uh, I am a fan of the college game. It's one thing, you know, I, I am a Mississippi State fan first, but I love the college game of baseball. I would much prefer to hear the ping of the college bat than uh, all the business that has become Major League Baseball. I know many of you uh, love baseball at every level, but I'll tell you, after uh, after coaching high school baseball for four years, I just uh, d- developed an even greater appreciation uh, for what our high school coaches go through on the high school level, how much of their own money is spent uh, to make sure that they have dirt and supplies and fertilizer and cat litter, right? Because most people can't even afford Diamond Pro to get out there and, and condition their fields. They're using kitty litter. I mean, I, I know I've been there. And then to see the opportunities that are available for high school players to go play on the college level, you take a lot of that for granted when you're just a fan of the college game, but when you see the maturation of these guys come up to the high school ranks and see them have an opportunity to play in college, you understand how precious those opportunities are and how great a game college baseball is. And the caretakers of our game need to be a little more demanding and ensure that college baseball, number one, gets its full allotment of scholarships, and number two, 
finds a way to fund more staff members uh, to ensure that the player-to-coach ratio is more in line with what other sports have. Let me get off the soapbox now just a little bit. Okay, so I want to thank our fine sponsors, Campus Bookmart. I don't know if you know this, but let me go ahead and make sure you're aware of it now. That pinstripe Mississippi State authentic baseball jersey with the uh, the state script on it, you can now order that at Campus Bookmart. You can go ahead and pre-order that. that that's uh, It's brand new. They just put it on the market. You can go and pre-order that, Stan the Man and Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie that runs the show downstairs. They can take care of that for you. We need, listen, we need an army of people wearing these jerseys all the time because we are a baseball school, okay? We love football. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not talking bad about football, but we are a baseball school. And so we need to rep the brand, and that means wearing the state gear. You can get that. And you know what? Maybe if you're not a Jersey guy, I know some people that uh, that's a big conversation among some of these hipsters today. And they say, well, you know, I don't like people that wear jerseys. I think that's absolutely stupid. Uh, I think wear whatever you want to wear. Uh, but I think if you want to wear a jersey, wear a Mississippi State jersey. But you can find that and more uh, by going to Campus Bookmark when you come to town. If you can't make it to town, Visit them online at campusbookmark.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that will save you shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So uh, we had the media day, and I'll tell you, first and foremost, let's go ahead and get a Mississippi State. Uh, Crystal Monis, and now I asked the first question, pitching plan, so he kind of laughed and said, yeah, it didn't last long. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of debate about that, and he even kind of teased that uh, he'd always kind of thrown his ace on game one. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to throw JT again. You know, JT didn't have the best of outings against LSU. One of the things about JT that, I, that, that, that is important to understand is how competitive he is. He is one of those guys that always wants a baseball. If you ask him if he's, uh, if he's 100%, he's always going to tell you he is because he believes he can go out there and get a win for you. He's had a couple of starts that have been, you know, I, I won't say shaky, but you know, they're not up to what we have, uh, re, you know, what we expect from him. And I think some of that is just the, the, the duration of the season and the fact that he's thrown more innings this year than at any point in his life. That's going to be fine. You know, he will be, uh, you know, he'll have, he'll have uh, the summer to kind of rest up and get ready for the fall, and then um, he'll be your Friday night guy next year. Uh, but. He's going to be your Friday night guy this weekend, and he's going to pitch against Southern. And I've read some of the things out there, and I, I like where the head of a lot of Mississippi State people are. They say, you know what, we'd have been just fine with Plumley going or Ginn going, but you know what, this might be good to get Ginn, you know, get him out there, get him a team that he can go out there and, 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 and really uh, do a good job against it and, and get some of his confidence back. Well, the, the thing about that, let me tell you, is JT Ginn is never lacking for confidence. But I do like the idea of, hey, let's, you know what, let's go out there and get him a win. I also think, too, this really prepares him really for next weekend. In the event that we can survive this weekend, you get him out on Friday, and then you give him that extra day's rest, and then he can pitch on Saturday next weekend against Stanford or UC Santa Barbara or whoever's coming in. And so the main thing is we want to win, but you begin to kind of look. There may be a plan at place here. Because if we can get a win on Friday with him in the early game, then JT gets an extra day's rest. Uh, and I think at this point in the season, any extra day's rest you can get is huge. Absolutely huge. So 
good with that. And then also, too, uh, Chris Simonis announces, and no surprise there, Ethan Small will throw game two regardless of the opponent. Uh, you know, both of those teams that we're going to face, that we, we could potentially face on Saturday, are teams that can really swing it. And uh, I think it makes sense. If you can win game one, you got to win game two because that's one of those things you, you can kind of avoid having to dip in that loser's bracket and really exhaust your pitching options. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you can go from a situation where you, you can either play three games or play five. And uh, I want to play three. I just want to, as much as I love watching Mississippi State play baseball, I don't want to have to add any additional drama or elimination games uh, to an NCAA regional. So JT again tomorrow, or Friday, pardon me, today. It still feels like Thursday because I'm still up. But uh, so JT again in the Friday game, and then Ethan Small on Saturday. And then they'll kind of figure it out. But you know, you know Peyton Plumley will be your guy uh, in game three. And then if there is a game four, then Brandon Smith. And if there's a game five, we'll figure it out. You know, my hope is the state can go out and make a statement tomorrow and then have that elite pitching on Saturday and uh, just stay up there in the winner's bracket and let the traffic kind of clear underneath you. That's that's what we want to happen. Another big note yesterday, too, we were able to, to attend practice. Elijah McNamee out there running around. Uh, now, I was a little bit concerned initially. When I first saw him out there, he looked to be kind of stepping a little gingerly. And then uh, when the outfielders first went out for their first drills, Elijah stayed in and kind of uh, was the relay guy. And then once they went to full team drills and started doing in and out, Hatcher and Elijah McNamee were both out there, Max running around, and uh, looked better than I expected him to look. And that's one of the things that I shared with people, you know, last week when all this kind of concern came up. If Mac can go, he is going to go. It is as simple as that. He is among the most competitive players on the team. A lot of people look at Jake and say, you know what? I don't know there's anybody, you know, that's more steely-eyed and competitive than Jake Mangum. Elijah Magnum is right there with him. Don't let that, uh, you know, that Hollywood smile fool you. The kid, look, he can't look at you without grinning. But don't mistake the fact that, that don't mistake that for weakness because he is a very, very gritty and competitive player. And uh, he wants to be out there. And there's just something missing in the lineup without Elijah. E- even when he's not swinging it exceptionally well, there's just something missing. And uh, I don't know if it's a leadership thing. One of the things that I have noticed and I have uh, kind of observed and, and discussed with some other people is McNamee is among the best communicators on the team about what he learns at each at-bat. And what I mean by that is, is once he's seen the slider, once he's seen the breaking pitch, once he's kind of picked it up, he goes right back to the dugout and he starts telling everybody else, okay, here's what he's got, here's what he does, here's what he's tipping, here's how it spins. He's a guy that has really matured as a hitter. And so, yeah, it's good to have him as a cheerleader in the dugout, but it's even better to have him as a guy that can kind of break down the game and then learn from each at bat and help the guys behind him be better prepared to go up there and swing. And I think that's something that we've really missed. I, you know, listen, the first couple of games when, when Mac was out, Josh Hatcher had a you know, couple hit what, three home runs, you know, and uh, all of a sudden you're thinking, you know what, Elijah, take your time, buddy. You know, take your time. Uh, and then, you know, Josh had a tough Saturday out there against South Carolina, lost a couple balls in the sun. Uh, you know, Josh is a very talented player. He's had a bad day. But I think it's one of those things, too, where I think Mac gets back in the lineup probably as a DH on Friday. I suspect it because, you know, you got to figure either he or, he or Hatcher are probably going to DH. But they're throwing left-handers, so maybe Hatcher doesn't DH. Maybe you get Cummins back out there. Maybe it's Landon Jordan. 
Uh, and that's one of the things I think when you begin to kind of look at this thing, you're going to play the matchups. But, uh, you know, Mac needs to be in the order. Mac is the guy that needs to be out there and kind of figuring some things out. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But as the practice moved on and he got a little more warmed up, I was very impressed with his recovery. Uh, I thought, you know what, he's moving around pretty good. And even Chris Simonis said that he had a better week than he had anticipated. And it's one of those things, again, if, if you know Mac at all, and to know Mac is to love Mac. I mean, not just because of the fact he hit a couple big walk-off home runs last year, but he's just one of those guys wearing the maroon and white, wearing the M over S, really means something to him. It's not just, hey, I'm a college baseball player. This guy loves Mississippi State. He loves being out there playing in a duty noble field, loves being out there to play in front of the fans. If you remember last year, after Mississippi State's eliminated against Oregon State, it was McAmey that came out there and says, you know what, we're going to come back to Omaha and we're going to win the deal. He wants to be out there. He believes in his team. He absolutely does. That's one of the things I think that makes this team so difficult is the belief they have in each other. It's very difficult to beat Mississippi State down because they never, ever doubt themselves. You know what I'm saying? It's like there are some teams when things begin to go south early, you can think, well, they're, they're going to just go ahead and mail this thing in. That's not the case with Mississippi State. You know, Rowdy Jordan has said it best. You got to, No matter how many runs you score in the first inning, you still got to get us out 27 times. And a lot of that comes from Mack and, and Mangum and those guys just kind of believing. Last year on the road at Florida State, they have the rain delay, and everybody's people are a little bit down. And Mack is the guy in the clubhouse going to every guy on the team saying, hey, we're going to come back and win this ball game. We're going to come back and win this ball game. Hey, just stay up. Stay up. Everybody stay up. The next thing you know, you go out there and get a couple of big at-bats from Jake Mangum and, and Hunter Stovall, and Mack comes up to the plate, and then history is made. One of the most uh, heroic home runs in Mississippi State history sparked a, a run to Omaha. But a lot of that stems from his positive attitude and his never-say-die attitude. And that is one thing that is contagious. And it's really ingrained in this team. When, you begin to be, when you're around the guys, there is just this belief that, that they can't be beaten. They believe that they can win every single ball game. And uh, that hadn't always been the case here. Really, it really hadn't been. It hadn't always been the case. But... Uh, very excited about you know what is to come uh, this weekend. So we expect McNamee to be back in some respect, and that's not a huge surprise. We've talked about it on this show and others uh, in, in the past week. We expect him to be back. I, I expect him to be the DH tomorrow. Uh, you know, I could see them sitting him and maybe letting him pinch hit late. You know, just kind of depend on the matchups, not to rush him back. I don't know if I'm ready to put him right back out there in right field and let him run around right now. You know, we'll see. We'll just kind of see how it works out. But uh, you know, Lamona says he'll play in some capacity, and what that tells me is probably a DH. And with the left-handed pitcher going, that makes the most sense. You know, to have a right-handed DH, though so you never have to worry about the breaking ball away. I want to remind you guys too, when you're in town this weekend, go by Bulldog Burger Company. They're going to have great specials. They're going to have great food. They're going to have great service, great prices, great atmosphere. I absolutely love going there. It is the absolutely the Robertson family restaurant of choice. Whenever I said, hey, kids, we're going out to eat. Where do you want to go? Let's go to Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, and so we enjoy going. Your family will enjoy going, too, because there is nothing really better than, than treating yourself to a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You, know, you can have those hamburgers from the fast food joints, but you deserve better than that. Go to Bulldog Burger Company. Find your own favorites. I, my, mine is the Pimentology Add Bacon. I, I, I think that is a, a very, very substantial meal. And uh, you can get all kind of sides to go with it. You know, you can get the, the tater tots with the, you know, with the fondue. You can get the fries. You can get, you know, 
sweet potato fries. You can get a side salad, whatever you want. You can eat healthy or you can have a cheat day. It, it's, all, it's all there for you. We encourage you to go by and let the folks at Bulldog Burger Company serve you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So looking ahead to Southern, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I really expected State to face Eli Finney. Eli Finney, uh, really the best pitcher on the Southern staff. He is the guy that really, really handcuffed LSU in that ball game that they won. Now, there are a lot of times people get all, you know, they say, hey, they beat LSU. Yeah, they did beat LSU. They also got beat uh, by LSU 17-4. to I remember that. Yeah, 17-4. to uh, And so that was a uh, difficult ball game, kind of an, an anomaly. But, uh, but be that as it may, Southern is a much improved team. They were picked last in the SWAC last year, finished last in the SWAC, come back and win the SWAC this year. They're on the right track. But uh, they're going to throw – uh, Jerome Bohannon, and uh, the last couple of starts for Bohannon you know, haven't really been great ones. Uh, you know, he he's a guy obviously that uh, they think is a good matchup against Mississippi State. He is a left-handed pitcher, a junior junior college transfer that is a kind of a soft tossing lefty with a three-pitch mix as a fastball, breaking ball, and changeup. Uh, Coach Carrick Jackson says that he he'll throw the changeup on any count, and uh, that's one of those things you begin to think about. Soft toss and left-handers have kind of been trouble for Mississippi State this year, especially in their swag games. It's like one of those things you'd rather have guys come out there throwing 94-95 just throwing heat so you can hunt the fastball. But when you've got guys like this, you're almost better off just sitting soft and just kind of waiting for that breaking pitch or waiting for that changeup, uh, especially when these guys can't throw the, ba- they can't throw the, the baseball over 85, 86 miles an hour. I mean, there, we saw some guys earlier this year that could really break 80. Uh, show up at Dirty Noble Field. And what happens? You get out on your front foot, your timing gets off. It's, uh, it's, it's a mess. And so it makes sense to me in hindsight that they throw a lefty because, number one, Mississippi State is hitting about 50 points lower against left-handers. When you've got a great offense like Mississippi State, you, you want to find any way you can to kind of slow things down. And so you throw a left-hander because, number one, State's not hitting left-handed pitching nearly as well. And then you throw a guy, you know, that's kind of a soft-tossing junk ball pitcher, and uh, that really gets an aggressive offense on their front foot. Bohannon has not been exceptional uh, last couple starts. You go back to a ball game at New Orleans back on uh, May 7th. Uh, Bohannon goes five innings, allows seven hits, five runs, four of those earns, three walks, three strikeouts. Walks are a big problem with him. I believe he is the first starting pitcher that we've seen this year that has more walks and strikeouts. I believe that's correct. Uh, and, and for a disciplined team like Mississippi State that doesn't give you a whole lot, you've got to be able to throw strikes. You've got to be able to pound the strikes on. Uh, last start for Bohannon was uh, May 17th against uh, Texas Southern. Uh, he takes kind of a tough night for him there, too. Um, goes just three and a third inning. Doesn't get the loss, but leaves you know three hits, three runs, four walks, two strikeouts. Same situation. You know, a guy that really struggled to throw strikes. He comes out. They lose the ball game late, uh, but you know he kind of put them in a hole early. That's one of those things you look at. You know, is uh, how does a guy pitch with a lead? You know, when you've got, when you've got a lead, the last thing you want is a guy that's gonna go out there and walk the ballpark. You got to sit there and throw strikes, challenge hitters. Uh, and so that has not been his strong suit. 
So, uh, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, again, kind of surprising that they would not throw Finney. But I think when you begin to look at this thing realistically, if you're Southern, and listen, Coach Jackson's very, very impressive, very articulate, gets there and says, you know, listen, we want to be the first HBCU to go to Omaha. I think they realize this may not be the team to do it. But you want to win a game here. It's been a long time since you've won a game in an NCAA regional. And so, you know what, if throwing against the number one, throwing your one against the number one seed might not be the best way to win that ball game. And so if you throw if you throw off, and this is a calculated risk because you're throwing a guy that when you look at the matchups, this should be, you know, you know, a matchup that gives Mississippi State bats a little bit of trouble. But you save Finney for the elimination game or game two, whichever that ends up being, and then more times than not, uh, you're probably going to, you know, face a pitcher where things are a little more equal. And so if you can find a way just to win a game if you're Southern, I think you go home happy. I think you go home thinking, you know what, we didn't achieve our goal. However, we took a very positive step forward as a baseball program because we win our conference and then we go on the road in a national seed regional and we found a way to win a ball game. And that may seem like a small thing, but when you're Southern, you know, when you're when you're a program like that that's just kind of getting reestablished after a last place finish in 2018, that's a huge step forward. That'll help them in recruiting. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm really, really impressed uh, with Coach Jackson. Talked to him a little bit off camera afterwards. Uh, you know, he's taken over a program that uh, Roger Cador built there at Southern. And, uh, you know, they have some tradition there. And so when you begin to think long term, I, I don't know that they make it to Omaha ever. But I do know this. I do know that uh, Coach Jackson will have Southern as a much more competitive team and here they are just in year two in his administration. They go on the road and beat Northwestern State. They beat LSU uh, in their own ballpark. And, uh, you know, then they go beat Memphis. You know, and it's just crazy to think these are games that Southern should not be winning. And he, he made mention of, you know, when he was at Missouri, they were the first SEC team to win 15 games and not make the tournament. But it was because of the fact their midweek record was terrible. And he goes, you know, we need to take advantage of that, you know, as a program. We need to find a way to go win those midweek games. And they did. And more times than not, Southern gets parked at Baton Rouge and goes to the LSU Regional. And so I'm really, I'm kind of glad for them to get a trip. Um, it'll be a great experience. But I also think that the, these guys run the bases exceptionally well, 135 stolen bases. And and honestly, holding runners is not necessarily a again strong suit. Dustin Skelton's going to have to be really good. He's going to have to find a way to kind of – Navigate things and um, keep people honest, because they're gonna they're gonna get out and try to run. They get people on, they're gonna get out and try to run. There's no doubt about it. So be prepared for that. Understand it's gonna happen. Um, they have athletes. They have guys that can really run. The thing that I think is the difference maker in a ball game like this is when you have Jordan Westberg hitting about a 106 mile an hour grounder, about four steps to your left that's going to be a base hit. That's not something that they're used to seeing because of the quality of the competition that they play regularly. And that's not to throw shade at, at their program at all. I have great respect uh, for the Southern Jaguars. But Mississippi State's going to hit the baseball hard. Mississippi State is going to put the ball in play. If they can avoid popping the ball up, I think Mississippi State is going to get after Southern pretty early in this ballgame. I really, really do. It may take one time through the order to kind of adjust. 
But I'm eager to see, you know, Jake Mangum is kind of the, the straw that stirs the bulldog drink, right? And so if Jake comes out there early and lays down a bond or rips the line drive single to left or whatever, and then the crowd gets behind him, you know, this is going to be something that I don't know that Southerners are going to be able to kind of battle back against. If you can get to him early, I think you can knock him out and get to that bullpen. I think this game will get away. But remember last year, Southern came to Mississippi State. We were, when we were struggling, okay, to, to be fair, we were not playing well. And we win a ball game. It was the 30th ball game of the year. We end up 15-15. and 15. We win the game. It's one nothing in the seventh. And then we score four in the eighth to put the game away. We win 5 nothing. Southern tried to run a lot that night, too. They're a better team this year. They're not going to be intimidated. They've been up here. Construction wasn't finished. It was a midweek game. They, they, they didn't have to deal with all of you. But they're going to come ready to play. But I expect Mississippi State to win the game. I, I think it'll be pretty handily. I really do. I, I, I just I think this is an experienced team. And that's one of the things when you look at this regional, Mississippi State is the only team that really has any postseason experience of note. Central Michigan has not had a regional in 24 years. Miami hadn't been in a tournament the last two years. Uh, Southern was the last place team last year. So, you know, these are teams, this is a new experience for them. And for teams like Miami, they're a very young team. And for Southern, they're a team in transition. Got a lot of guys that are junior college players. He, you know, recruited some guys last year to kind of come in and kind of right the ship. But my point being is that Mississippi State understands what it takes to win a regional. Mississippi State understands what it takes to get to Omaha. Many of these players are going to show up, and they're going to be in all the experience. They're going to be in all the environment. And despite what their coaches and everybody else tells them, uh, until you get out there in front of about 13,000, 14,000 people, and there's only about 50 of them cheering for you, it's a different deal. It's just a different deal altogether. So be prepared for that. But Mississippi State needs to come out and play well. Really think if State can get through the first time through the order and put, put some runs up in the first couple innings, I think that ball game will likely get away from Southern. I, just, I, I don't think they'll cash everything in. Uh, to try to stop the, the bleeding. I think once they get the lead, they'll just try to save an arm or two and, and try to manage to get a game on Saturday. But uh, the bottom line is the first step for Mississippi State, the next step to get to Omaha, takes place at noon today. So looking at the other matchup, I'll tell you, uh, of the teams that came in and uh, and visited with us, Miami probably seemed the most uptight. You know, it's one of those deals where they got a lot of young guys, and uh, they, again, they have no experience in the tournament. They uh, you know, they don't really have anybody on the team uh, that has any real regional experience, and so uh, that's something to kind of look at. Now, we had Evan McKendry come and speak with us today. Evan McKendry, veteran pitcher for them, six and two record, four point six nine ERA. Uh, he's the guy that kind of came and spoke on behalf of the captains, but he's not getting the start against Central Michigan. That's going to be number seven, Chris McMahon. 3.2, uh, pardon me, three and two record with a 3.70 ERA. 11 starts this year. Has pitched on the weekend some. Okay, so he's, you know, he's a weekend guy. But, um, you know, he, he's a guy that's been a little bit of a spot starter for him. But nobody, like when you look at their regular guys in the conference, the guys that have really pitched a lot in the conference, and Brian Van Bell, Slade, uh, Kakani, and Evan McKendrick. They just don't have impressive numbers. They just they just don't. They're a team that gives up runs. It's really as simple as that. You know, they try to outscore people, 
and you say, well, Steve, that's the name of the game. It's not always score as many runs. But, you know, you, you need elite pitching to advance. And uh, I don't think that's really the case here. I will not be surprised if Miami takes an L tomorrow night. One of the things that I kind of thought about, too, when uh, when Central Michigan was up there is there will be a lot of one-night stand Chippewa fans at Dirty Noble Field tomorrow night. I suspect there won't be a single Mississippi State fan cheering for Miami on Friday night. Those of you that hang around, and listen, we have a very savvy fan base when it comes to college baseball. We love the game of college baseball. So there will be a lot of people that will hang around just because they love Dirty Noble Field and they, they want to be a part of the, uh, the regional experience. And so there, I, I believe that we will adopt Central Michigan as uh, our second team. And we'll go out and cheer for them. And I think that could be a real factor because I think these teams are pretty even. Now, Miami really swings it. They got some guys that can really swing it. Uh, but when you look at the pitching aspect of this, you know, Miami just does not appear to have a real shutdown guy. They just That's just not the, the case. You know, there are a lot of people out there that um, – you know, in the ACC that, that have some pitching, but Miami does not have elite pitching. Uh, a lot of people have said, well, you know, they'll, uh, you know, we'll figure it out as we go. But this time of year, usually the teams that win are the teams that have one or two shutdown guys. And they're just, you know, they've had some guys that have been a little bit banged up. And that's one of the things you always say, well, you know, we're getting this guy back, we're getting this guy back, whatever. Um, you know, I don't know how effective they can be, but you know, when you look at this conference numbers for this Miami pitching staff, uh, they're not really that impressive. Uh, they're really not. Now, they, they've gotten fat against some non-conference teams, but um, you know when you look, they have four starters that have pitched in the ACC. Uh, Daniel Fetterman is a relief pitcher, 20 appearances, no starts. He's got a 3.60 ERA and a 3-4 and four record. He's got the best ERA of any regular pitcher. He's got, of all the guys that have pitched 30 innings or more, in conference for Miami, he has the best ERA at 3.60, and he's their closer. Think about that for a second. Goodness. Brian Van Bell, 4.03 ERA with a 5-1 record, 10 starts. Got, what, four no decisions there? You know, 58 innings pitch. Give up a hit per inning, 28 runs, 52 Ks against 18 walks. I mean, that's a decent number there. Gives up a lot of doubles. It's like you can barrel that guy up. And Chris McMahon, tomorrow night's pitcher, is a 4.70 ERA, a 2-2 two two record in conference with eight starts. 38 innings pitched. That's not a lot when you begin to kind of do the math on that. that that's, that's just not a big number. Uh, 41K, 16 walks. Allowed a couple of home runs. Mostly singles against him. And then Evan McKendry was the guy that came out and spoke today, and, he, and he's had the worst of it of the starters uh, in conference play, eight conference starts with a 5.85 ERA and a 3-2 three, three record. So I suspect that uh, Brian Van Bell will probably uh, be the game two starter no matter who the opponent is. But uh, be that as it may, uh, Chris McMahon will be the guy tomorrow night. And and, and uh, they were a little bit cagey, I guess, at times. You know, yesterday they, just, they didn't want to say a whole lot about, you know, their pitching plans that they didn't announce until late Thursday night. Um, and we, we suspected they would share something with us earlier, but they, they didn't. Uh, he said they would, but uh, but they didn't. But Miami is a team that can swing the bat. Swing the bat. They've got some guys that can really swing it. 
and uh, and put up big numbers. I mean, you look at this conference stuff. Alex Torrell is their seven-hole hitter, and and uh, he is a guy that's absolutely absolutely mashing. Got 11 home runs in conference play, 28 RBI. He's the guy you got to watch, and he's hiding down there in the seven-hole. You know, just when you think you got it all figured out, uh, you know, and then he's the guy that we ought to have a little book on. I understand that JT Gann played against him last couple of years, you know, in summer league ball. They, they so they they're somewhat acquainted, so we ought to be able to get a pretty good book on him. But uh, they've got some guys up and down that order. They hit a lot of home runs. They really do as a team. They hit home runs, and uh, the way that our park is playing a little bit bigger these days. Pardon me, a little bit smaller these days. It's, it's more of a home run uh, park. You got to be careful with that. Uh, absolutely, got to be careful with that because of the fact that um, you know every pitch and every big hit means so much more because there's just not a lot of margin for error anymore. People aren't just going to let you get up and go. You know, you got to play through all this stuff. But looking at the numbers here, uh, Raymond Gill with 11 home runs, Alex Toro with 22. Adrian uh, Del Castillo with nine home runs. But you, know, you look up and down their order. Uh, eight of the nine players in their order you know, have uh, four or more home runs. You know, they're, they're going to come out there and swing the bats. So uh, I'm eager to see them match up with Central Michigan. Central Michigan will throw uh, their ace uh, tomorrow night. And, uh, and we had a chance to, to speak with uh, you know, uh, Pat Leatherman. Uh, and uh, impressed with the whole attitude with Central Michigan, to be honest with you. I mean, they're happy to be here. But they didn't come just to hang out and eat barbecue. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and I was impressed. I mean, they, they step up to the mic and say, hey, look, we're here to win this thing. You know what? And uh, that, those are the kind of teams that I want to play. You know, Pat Leatherman's a guy that, uh, a veteran guy, they, they joke around that he was around the last time they went to a regional, which was 24 years ago, which is really kind of funny. Uh, but the bottom line is this team's going to come in here. They've won 18 in a row. They're used to winning. They're not going to come in here and just say, okay, Man, what a great time to come to Mississippi. What a great park this was. Let's take a couple selfies and go to the house. Uh, Pat Leatherman, 10-1 and one on the year, 2.56 ERA. He'll get the start. And there's a couple other guys that they, uh, they're really proud of. And uh, we'll see one of them if we play them. But uh, Cameron Brown being the guy that um, 15 starts on the year, 10-0 record, 2.72. 1.10 whip. Outstanding there. Even has a complete game. It's an outstanding effort. You know, when you begin to look at the Central Michigan team, and granted, their conference isn't the best, but they tried to beef up their non-conference schedule, and we discussed this on Wednesday, and they played, went and played Pitt, played Michigan State, played Notre Dame. So they're not going to be intimidated when they come down here, but they also, they, they've got a lot of veterans on this team. This isn't a team that's, uh, you know, a young team that just got hot. This is a team that, uh, you know, with a new coach, Came up from Division Two, and uh, they they have just you know really really done a good job, but they're a, they're a veteran team. They're not they're not a team that um, is going to be lacking for confidence. You know, now granted they don't have a lot of regional experience, and uh, you know I, I think that the the crowds might get to them because Saturday. I mean, good if they beat Miami, and then they got to see Mississippi State Saturday night. Uh, there's no telling how many people are going to be at that ball game. We don't even know what capacity is for the new dude yet. And we'll find out this weekend because I think that Saturday night game, I've had a lot of friends say, hey, listen, I can't make the noon game Friday, but I'm going to be there Saturday. Uh, a lot of people said, I'll just buy the standard room only ticket and figure it out. But uh, going to be a huge crowd Saturday. I, I don't know if we get the attendance record or not. I know a lot of people have asked that. I think we'll get a top 10 Mississippi State crowd. 
I don't know if we get 16,000 people in there, though. I just Maybe next weekend, you know, maybe if we advance the Super Regional, we have a chance to get to Omaha. Uh, I think perhaps that you might see some records fall then. Uh, but the Central Michigan team, to get back on track with them, one of the things that I liked about you know, talking to those guys today is they're just a fun group. And uh, the, the coach says that they got a lot of guys in a dugout that are just kind of irreverent. Reminds me a little bit of the whole bench mob thing. You remember when we had that? And, and that was one of the things that, you know, a lot of fans around the country fell in love with the fact that we're throwing Ross Mitchell out of the dugout, you know, before the game. There's just a lot of things like that because baseball should be fun. And these guys are having fun. They're going to be a, a fun team to cheer for. Uh, we, we mentioned on Wednesday, Griffin Lockwood Powell is a guy that, that really is, powers their team. He got 11 home runs, 74 RBI. That's a program record, 74 ribbies, and still, with still some games to play. And then Xavier Warren's right behind them with eight dingers and 68 RBI. So this is a team that runs the bases and swings the bats. What, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six hitters hitting 300 or better? Seven hitters, pardon me, hitting 300 or better? So this is not going to be just uh, an also-ran team in a regional. This team is very much capable of uh, knocking off Miami and uh, and making a run at this thing. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to call it just yet. You know, we'll see how things look tomorrow night. But I will not be surprised in the least if Central Michigan beats Miami. I think they, right now, interacting with them and interacting with Miami, I think Central Michigan's a lot more game-ready. I also think Miami is pouting a little bit over the fact they didn't get to host. That's one of the things that Dino said today, or Gino, pardon me, is that, uh, you know, that he told them right there on the field at the ACC tournament, hey, guys, you know, you you left this in the hands of the selection committee. And everybody wants to say the right things on the dais, but, you know, when you've been projected to host for the last couple of weeks of the season and then you don't get that opportunity – to play in front of your home crowd and you, you, know, you sleep in your own bed and all that kind of stuff, there is some disappointment that goes with that. Now, Central Michigan, they knew from the beginning of the season that they, they made a region they're going to be on the road. There's no, there's no chance them to host. They, 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 they understood that. And so they're a little more prepared, I think, mentally for the challenge of playing on the road, not to mention they don't have to play the host seed first. So they'll have a chance to kind of get – the atmosphere and kind of get the, the feel of things under their belt before they would have to play Mississippi State. And so they'll come out loosey-goosey, and they're, they're listen, those guys up on the dais today, it was all they could do not to bust out laughing. I think they were just kind of beside themselves with the fact that they were here and uh, and part of something really, really cool. Miami, a little more businesslike. You just kind of had a feeling that um, they're a little more tied up right now. Uh, so we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. But I, I'm really, really excited to get out there and kind of get going. And I know you guys are as well. It's one of those things when, you know, we have a chance to kind of come together and do something really, really cool. It's great to see the turnout Mississippi State folks have. We, we will turn out for things like this. We might not come to a Tuesday night midweek game. We've got a lot going on. But this time of year, the kids are out of school. The kids want to come to the ball game. And I'm, let me go ahead and prepare you for this. If you plan to sit on that berm, you need to be in line very, very, very early. There are going to be a lot of standing room only people. They're going to, it's going to be a mad dash, and there are going to be some people walking around with lawn chairs that don't have a spot on the berm. Okay, and then there's all of this uh, your policy. You need to read that. You know, you can leave. You can leave your chair there all day, but you got to take it with you at night when you go. But there, you know, be prepared. Be courteous. The crowds are going to be tremendous. 
especially on Saturday. But everybody needs to plan to get here a little bit early, nowhere to park, nowhere to go. Not a lot of changes compared to what you've done in the regular season, but you know, be prepared for delays. Give each other a break because that that's one of the hardest things. I, and I, I'm the world's worst about that. My, my, my kids always trip about the road rage that I have. I deal with it and move on. But uh, you know, a lot of people that uh, the way they drive irritates me, but I'm sure there are people that don't like the way that I drive. But uh, let's give each other a break. Understand there's going to be a lot of traffic on campus because in addition to all of this, baseball, we're going to have the top dog camp over at the SEAL Complex. They're going to actually be at the stadium on Saturday. But you know, they're going to have a lot of things going on. We're going to have football camp. Paul Jones is going to be camped out at football camp all weekend. I'm going to be back and forth. Between baseball and football camp, you know, it'll, it'll be a busy day, but it's what we have to do. Uh, but the flip side of that is, is that there's just there's going to be a lot of people on campus that are not normally here. They're not going to be veterans. They're not going to be people that kind of understand how things work. They're going to stop and speak to the event management group folks and try to get directions, and 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 then they're probably just going to have to figure it out themselves. Uh, but the biggest part of that is the fact that uh, everybody just needs to understand we're in this thing together. So we're going to be back on uh, Monday, and. Uh, you know, we'll see how things go uh, this weekend. But uh, hopefully on Monday, we're getting ready for a Super Regional. Now, now, looking at the other side of this thing, so that we're paired up with the Stanford Regional. The Stanford Regional is Stanford. The two-seed is UC Santa Barbara. The three is Fresno State, and they have a national championship. Don't get me started on that. Jealous of that, too. Number four seed is Sacramento State. This is not a cakewalk regional for Stanford in any stretch of the imagination. And I, I've told you guys on the show, I think Stanford might be the most overrated team in the country. Their strength of schedule is abysmal. UC Santa Barbara probably deserved to host. They did not. Some of that's because of facilities. Some of that's because of the fact they kind of faltered a little bit down the stretch. They're going to go in there with a chip on their shoulder. I will not be the least bit surprised if they win that regional. But this is a this Stanford team is really going to be pressed. And so that's the one, when you're scoreboard watching this weekend, you know, for our casual fans that are listeners of the Boneyard, maybe you don't follow college baseball as closely as, as many of us. That's the one that we're paired against. And so in the event that Mississippi State should win the regional, we will play the winner of that deal right here in Starkville next weekend. And every time I say that, I get a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things I think, well, I don't want to look ahead. Not that what I think or say matters in a ball game. But I am more worried about this weekend than I am next weekend, if that makes sense. Because I think this Miami team, the way they swing the bats, we got to pitch it really well. The Central Michigan team, they're used to winning. They're not a team that's going to quit. They're not going to be in awe of Mississippi State. They feel like that they're a team of destiny. They've won, they've swept through their conference tournament and just destroyed people. You know, they're not coming down here just to make a good show. I really believe this weekend is going to be more challenging than next. And that and that sounds kind of backwards, but I believe because of the way the tournament is seeded, that Mississippi State has a real, real difficult task on their hands this weekend. I expect State to win in advance, but uh, this is going to be this is going to be a very, very competitive regional. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. Let me remind you, if you hadn't done so, Go to StarkVillains.com and order your Stark Villain gear. You can go ahead and order it. It's T-shirt time anyway. It's time to get some summer gear. Order some for yourself, for the kids. And go ahead and think about down the road and go ahead and order that hoodie. When the, the book comes out, you're going to be happy you did. Trust me, 
Uh, everybody's going to identify as a Stark villain once the book comes out. You're going to be very happy to be a part of that. So again, at StarkVillains.com, go buy and order that stuff, and uh, and and we'll be you'll be glad you did. So we'll be back uh, on Monday, and uh, eager, eager, eager to get out of Duty Noble Field a little bit later today. And so hopefully you'll join us. If if not, please enjoy the game on television. I believe the uh, Friday game, our game, uh, is going to be on the network. I guess that's correct. Check your local listings. And then, of course, it'll be on the app the rest of the weekend. But uh, the bottom line is Mississippi State, it's regional time again. Uh, first time since 2016. Hopefully we have uh, the same result as we did in that regional uh, that weekend. It's uh, it's time once again for Mississippi State to take the next step to Omaha, a potential college baseball national championship. Until next time, it's all of our lives. In a way, we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.